What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. My guest today is strength and conditioning coach, Missy Mitchell Macbeth. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. For sure. It's a pleasure to have you on. We we kind of come from the same uh, family tree, let's say, when it comes to uh, strength and conditioning master's degree program, probably some of the same mentors. So even though we haven't uh, met in person, um, like I've heard a lot about you. Uh, I think you were finishing up your, your uh, master's degree right when I was starting. So your name came up quite a bit. So it's an honor to have you on. Um, I've heard amazing things about you and uh, can't wait to uh, pick your brain a little bit. So if you will, please tell us a little bit about uh, your background, um, both or not both, but athletically, academically, professionally, and um, yeah, list, list for us, if you will, kind of what your uh, your current responsibilities are, or your, uh, your current job titles, let's say. Okay. So do you want me to start background first and then, um, it's up to you. Current stuff or you don't care. Okay. So I'm, I'm a chronological order person. So, um, nice. I grew up, um, as a very mediocre volleyball player. Um, and that kind of led me down the path of wanting to be a volleyball coach and teach kids things that maybe I didn't know that I thought would have made me more successful. Um, and so I actually went to UT Permian Basin, played college volleyball there, um, got my degree to teach biology. I did that for four years at Coppers Cove High School and coached volleyball, powerlifting, and track. Um, it wasn't probably more than a couple months in that I got put in charge of our weight room there, and I just realized that that was where my career was headed. Mm -hmm. um, so I got with a mentor named Reb Brock, who's currently the uh, um, head strength coach at Del Valley ISD down in the Austin area. He kind of taught me everything I knew. Um, one day I just sat down and applied for the master's degree program there at Baylor. Um, so got my master's in strength and conditioning as the last part of that I interned at TCU in their strength and conditioning department under Zach Dakent, um, which led to a full time job I was there for seven years. Um, and then towards the end, I was um, contacted about the position that I currently hold, which is at Byron Nelson High School in Trophy Club, Texas, and I'm the head strength coach there. So I kind of have a cool gig. Um, I don't have to teach any classes. I'm just the strength coach and I work with all of our athletes. Um, outside of that, I am the region two director for the NHSSCA, so the National High School Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association. Um, so I manage a four state area. So basically I'm the person that just forwards information along to the state directs, directors in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Um, but they're kind of the, they're kind of my hands in the organization. Um, and I'm really fortunate to work with great people um, on that. And then side hustle wise, I own a business called Safe Iron LLC, which is directed at coaching education and consulting. Awesome. Very cool. So uh, long story short, you've got a really full plate. Yes. And as we were, I, I didn't mention personally, I'm also married uh, to a, to the head baseball coach at Ponder High School. Um, and then we have two fur children, one of which is um, sitting right here listening, making sure I don't say anything dumb. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Very cool. So uh, let's, let's dive right into it. Um, I've, I've been able to follow quite a bit of your, uh, your social media posts and stuff like that, uh, especially on Twitter. Um, I do have to say that uh, it seems like almost every time I scroll past something that you've tweeted, 
you like almost always get a Mike Boyle like like or retweet. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So that's pretty cool. Um. <laughs> I will say um, early on when I like I started, I think I have like 250 followers as of September 2019 or something. And I want to say he was like somewhere in my 500th follower. And I was just like, oh my wow. gosh, I'm not worthy. And <laughs> since then, I've, I've actually spoken at the same clinic, uh, a virtual clinic as him. And I was still just like, so honored to be, you know, in the same lineup as a, you know, a big wig and strength. And um, turns out he's like a super nice guy. Like we've, you know, chatted via email and DM and that kind of stuff. So um, it's, yeah, like it's That's cool. I guess it's more like a, you know, nod to him that he's humble enough to speak to lowly people such as myself. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think he'd waste his time following people that uh, he didn't think were, were worth following. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, so if you will tell us a little bit about your general strength and conditioning coaching philosophy and um, for most people, you know, like there's portions of their philosophy that probably stay the same almost their entire career. And then there's aspects that, you know, as the science progresses or as we gain more experience, things change. So with everything that's happened within the past year since COVID, uh, has your coaching philosophy shifted at all? Um, so I'll just go through kind of my philosophy. Um, I've actually, it used to be like four main bullet points and I've kind of consolidated it down to three. Um, so number one, as the name of my business would imply, um, is safety. So we're going to use age appropriate progressions in our weight room. Um, the emphasis in the room is always going to be technical proficiency versus load, which is just a strength and conditioning term for process over outcome. Um, and then we're also going to modify based on individual needs, um, whether it's, you know, movement deficiencies, whether it's needs of sport, whether it's just a learning style. Um, sometimes we have to cater to, to those different things um, in order to keep the safest environment. And the next one is culture. Um, that tends to be a very overused term in sports um, that I think people define very poorly often. Um, but to me, culture, our weight room culture, what I want it to look like is an environment that has continual improvement. Um, we want to focus, we want to be attentive to detail, and we want to take pride in how we execute things. Um, I'm also really big and kind of piloting a program right now where we are creating leadership opportunities with kids coaching each other. So I've always had kids coach each other, but now we're starting to apply like a stat to it of, you know, how many coaching efforts did we have per session? And I'm spending a lot of my time going around and saying like, hey, what can your partner do better? Did you tell her, you know, and praising those when I see kids giving each other constructive feedback, praising those those efforts um, along with, you know, obviously I'm still coaching the kids that are lifting, um, but mm -hmm. I'm also coaching the coaches in the room. Um, and then ultimately we want our kids to leave weight room more confident, uh, than they, you know, than they started, you know, there's confidence, especially for female athletes that comes with being stronger and being able to do things that they weren't able to. Um, I had a little, I have a girl that she's a freshman and she's not necessarily great under the bar, but we're starting to work on some single leg squat progressions. And right now we're doing, you know, eccentric step downs. And I take a look at her and I'm like, you're going to be able to pistol squat in like a week. And she's like, no, 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 I can't do it now. And I'm like, listen, you're so much farther along in this room than you realize you are just because you have really good mobility. Your pattern mm. looks really good. 
And the next time we came in, I look over and she did it. And like, Mm. she's so excited. And this is not like, this is not a kid that's like a weight room kid, but Mm -hmm. she's so pumped up because she has that confidence because she's been told that she's good at something. Um, And then the last aspect is performance. Obviously that's the name of the game as a strength and conditioning coach. We need what we're doing in the weight room to transfer onto the field or court. Um, And then beyond that, just to focus on overall well, overall well-being. So sleep, nutrition, um, and then life skills, um, I think are critical to an athlete's long-term success. Nice. I love that. I think so often the strength coach is, uh, kind of backed into a corner where, you know, Hey, all you're supposed to do is focus on strength. And instead we should be strengths coaches where we're focusing on strengthening different aspects of the athlete, not just athletically, but, um, teaching them nutrition, teaching them life skills. Like there's so much that can translate to, to other aspects of life that if we're willing to like be involved with the kids, and invest in them like that's going to be huge for them down the road because they're going to learn a lot of things in the weight room that they probably aren't learning elsewhere that they could be but people just aren't uh either their teachers don't have the time or the motivation or um the competency let's say so i think that's i think that's really cool um so you mentioned you were uh you were coaching at tcu before you transition to, uh, Byron Nelson. Um, so what was that transition? Like, what, what's it like going from a collegiate program where you're in charge of, you know, a few sports to a high school program where now you've got basically all of them? Um, I think to answer this question, I'm going to talk a little bit about what my day-to-day job looks like, because I think that's going to provide a better frame of reference. So I actually have two weight rooms. There's almost always a session going on in each room. And so unable to divide myself via mitosis as of yet, um, I've got to have a workout in place and have our coaching staff trained um, to be executing the workout in my absence. So that's been a huge deal of going from, instead of seeing my kids, you know, collegiate level, I think out of 365 days a year, I I think I would see those kids about 355. And so not only just having eyes on them and having so much more time in their training process, but also the different level of relationship that you can build with that kid. Mm -hmm. And what that, you know, I mean, it's 15 minutes that they're foam rolling that I'm sitting around and talking to them and you know, I'm traveling on the bus and on airplanes and all that kind of stuff with them. And so because you had such a solid relationship with that kid, you can be so much tougher on them Mm -hmm. um, than you can be with a kid at the high school level. And then also kind of tying in with that, it's a business at the college level and there's a different level of motivation. That kid is being, you know, given a scholarship to play and it's competitive and, you know, not to say that it's not competitive at the high school level, but there's just you know, again, a different motivation level of of kids. Um, At the high school level, um, the, like you said, I I train tons of teams. Um, I train large groups of athletes. I may only see a given kid once a week. Um, And so my process has to be much more efficient because I'm not always there to install it. 
Um, the good news is, is that I don't have quite as much input from the proverbial peanut gallery. Um, at the collegiate level, you get, um, even though you are the expert, often you have many unqualified voices telling you how to do your job. Um, and often those voices are telling you largely inaccurate information. <laughs> um, at the high school level, I don't deal with any of that. Um, it's, you know, when we go in the weight room, like this is how we're doing things and the coaches, and it's really not a dictatorship necessarily, but the coaches are very open to, you know, when I came in, I had to effectively change the program culture and philosophy. Um, and the coaches were very open to that. And, and, you know, they might ask questions about why we're doing something, but I never get questioned. Um, and so it's just been very, um, I guess, empowering to have that autonomy um, and to have everybody on the same page of, you know, we want what's best for the athlete. And often that means staying in our respective lanes and doing our job to the fullest. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, merging that training process into, um, something that best benefits the kids. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, uh, the one, the one thing that I love about, uh, having my own business is, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have that peanut gallery sort of situation, but at the same time, that means if I want, uh, a critique or if I want to make sure that, um, that what I'm doing is, uh, is the best option for my athletes, then I have to kind of, I've got to seek that out, which that's one of those things. I think most strength coaches have a pretty tight knit group of other strength coaches that they rely, uh, rely on for, um, uh, just to bounce ideas off, uh, mentorship, things like that. But that's one of those things that I'm sure was probably pretty annoying at the collegiate level, just everybody trying to tell you how to do your job. Like, Hey, I'm here for a reason. Like, <laughs> you know, I will just say that. Yes. In fact, it was annoying and just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Alrighty. So can you tell us a little bit more about your role with the NH Got all the letters, right? I think. Good job. It took me um, a solid couple months to get that one down as well. And you nailed it on the first try. So um, you're smarter than I am, apparently. I've got it written down right in front of me. I was staring oh. at it the whole time. Um, so I am, like I said, Southwest Regional Director. So basically what that means is Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Um, this is my first year in the position I took over in October. Um, and so largely it's been a scramble to figure out what's been done in the past. Um, I took over for coach Doug Bull that uh, is located down in Corpus Christi, fantastic strength coach, does a ton for our profession. Um, he just, you know, was wanting to move a little bit more into the athletic director realm of things. Um, and so didn't have time. So I was fortunate enough to be, uh, coach Schofield contacted me about, um, running for office effectively. It's a voting process. Um, but anyway, so basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to get more continuing education opportunities in our respective states. Um, so like I have May the 8th, I have a region, uh, I think we're region two, region two clinic, um, and I'm planning to host that at Byron Nelson, uh, COVID permitting. Um, but we've got a great lineup of speakers there. I've got Pat, Dr. Pat Ivey is going to speak. 
Um, I've got Joey Burgles that's at Richardson Peace High, Pierce High School. Mm -hmm. um, I've got Amy Goodson, a nutritionist. Um, and then two of my state directors are actually going to speak because I want to give them an opportunity to get in front of uh, kind of their own audience. Um, we also are going to be uh, sponsoring a speaker at the THSCA clinic down in Austin. Um, we're putting on our own clinic uh, the day before that down in New Braunfels on, it's either July the 17th or the 18th, whatever the Saturday is. Um, so the main thing is, you know, with the wealth of information there is out there, um, trying to consolidate that and make it more palatable for sport coaches, but also, you know, provide something that an experienced strength coach such as myself can benefit from um, at a clinic. That's awesome. Uh, slightly unrelated, JJ Pierce High School is like a mile from me right now. So yeah, I use their track for like off-season conditioning for some of my runners. So yeah. Um, can you give me the dates on that again? Because I want to write that down right now so I don't forget because I would like to come to that. Okay. So May the 8th is going to be the regional clinic um, again. TBD on location. Um, mm -hmm. The organization has said we can go in person just based on our, you know, professional judgment. Um, I'm hoping at the vaccination rate that it would be a good decision to do that. Um, but who knows? And who even thought we would be having these conversations about like, oh, based on the vaccination rate, I may or may not have a clinic. <laughs> um, and then July, I'm actually going to look at my phone real quick to give you the accurate date on the July clinic. Um, because one day does in fact make a difference on people's ability to show up. Um, it is July the 17th and that's gonna be at New Braunfels High School. Um, and that is the day before the Texas High School Coaches Association Clinic in San Antonio starts. So we could try to piggyback off of that. In my clinic, I'm piggybacking off of the uh, Collegiate Strength Coaches Association mm. Clinic that's being hosted in Fort Worth. Nice, awesome. So, it's, it's so important in, in our industry to continue learning. Like it's, it's one of those funny things. Like you can be a really effective strength coach if you know how to coach, you know, a few basic lifts. Like there's, there's plenty, like Dan John, for example, like he's got, he's got his primary pillar lifts and he doesn't usually mess around with all the fancy stuff. He's like, no, like is squatting important? If so, then you need to do some squat patterning every day. Like, so he's kind of got these primal movements. So you can be a really effective coach just sticking with, you know, the fundamentals, let's say, but because our industry is relatively young, the amount of information that, uh, that's kind of pouring in on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis is just, it feels exponential, right? So if you want to stay on the cutting edge of being able to deliver the most fit, uh, bulletproof athlete as possible, then you've got to continue learning. Um, so what are the most important factors for the strength coach to be as effective as possible? Um, this may be completely like off the map from things that you're thinking, um, but, and this is honestly can be a very unpopular opinion, but number one on that list is self-care um, in my opinion. So I am actually recording this on a day that I took off from work because I just needed it. Um, I knew that if I showed up at work today, like, yeah, like 
we all have to push through and like be mentally tough and blah, blah, blah. But the reality was, is that I'm not going to be good for kids today. And these days are super rare that I get in this headspace, but mm -hmm. I took it because I'm tired. I'm run down. I've got a bunch of side work that I need to do. Um, and so I just took the day off and my athletes are going to be better for it because I'm going to come back in next week, charged, uh, charged for the weekend or charged from the weekend. And then, you know, with that, just taking care of our own house, as far as, you know, we want to preach and practice, preach nutrition. And then we want to skip meals because we don't have time because we're out on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, so finding ways to, you know, not just take that time for ourselves, but just care for ourselves, you know, our own personal health on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, like you said, continuing education is huge. Um, and I think that some of that is having a network of go-to people that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can, you know, like-minded people that share the same philosophy. So you can go in and say that, hey, like I'm working on this, what have you found effective? But also people with very different philosophies um, that may, you know, think of something that you would have never come up with yourself. Um, so you know, that's taking care of yourself, but as far as taking care of your athletes, you have to, like, we're teachers, um, and I think a lot of times coaches um, are not viewed that way, but we are as much an educator and need to be as much as an educator as a math or science teacher, so mm -hmm. using some of those principles of, you know, meeting kids where they're at um, from a learning a learning level perspective, of course, you know, they're, the, the vocabulary that we're using is movement, um, but, but just being an educator in the process versus someone that's just here, lift this and lift that. Well, let's explain to kids why we're doing things. Um, and then I think there's also a big relationship component. Um, there is a ton of trust that goes on in the strength and conditioning world. You're asking coaches to give up practice time often to come into the weight room. And so what you're doing has to be explained to them um, of how they're going to benefit. They have to see the product and the results. And then you're also asking athletes to do what's for a lot of them, not the fun thing. Nobody mm. signs up to play basketball because they want to go get in the weight room is the reality. <laughs> and so you've got to have that relationship with kids of one, telling them why it's important two, letting them see that it's going to pay off, but most importantly, letting them understand that you're there for their athletic success, not just to be the person that says, go lift that weight. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, that's, can, that can be one of the hardest things is to show an athlete like, hey, here is this movement that you're going to do under load and don't just do it because I'm telling you to do it. You need to do it and you need to focus on it and you need to do things intentionally because it's going to have this outcome when you're on the court or this outcome when you're on the field and that's going to make you better. Um, and when you can make that connection, like that can change, you know, that can change an athlete completely. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. Um, that can be a hard thing to do. Educating. That's tough. It, it can be <laughs> because, you know, I think it's Einstein that has a quote that like, if you really understand something, you need to be able to explain it to a four-year-old. Yeah. Effectively. Or a barmaid. Okay. I didn't realize that was the, that was the second uh, part of that quote, but um, <laughs> yeah, those those ladies, they're dumb. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, effectively, like we're in a weight room with kids that are one, two, three, and four years old in their weight room vocabulary. So mm. it's very important that we are able to simplify concepts for them. Like I was having to explain, you know, in layman's terms, 
tissue remodeling to a kid yesterday with a marker and a whiteboard, you know? Mm. And so if you don't understand those concepts yourself, you're certainly not going to be able to educate your kids. And if kids don't understand why something's important, like they don't want to, I mean, it makes them tired. It, it you know, doesn't hurt. It's again, tough, but um, they'll be motivated to, to do that if they see a payoff. Mm. Yeah, I think Einstein had another quote that was something along the lines of, if you can't explain a concept in its most simple terms, then you probably don't understand it well enough. So yeah, being able to explain something like that using a whiteboard probably means that you have a pretty good handle of it. So, and if you can explain it to a kid, like it's not so complex that they shouldn't be able to understand it. Right. So yeah. Either that or I'm really good at making stuff up on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> One of my uh, favorite lines when I first started in the industry was fake it till you make it, you know, there you go. Not literally, but it's a funny thing to say, I think. So, um, so let's transition a little bit away from uh, things that are really important for the strength coach and move over to things that are really important for, for the youth athlete. So what are some, what are some of the factors that, um, that you convey to your athletes to help them or to help reinforce in their minds this is what you need to do. This is what you need to focus on to be as athletic as possible, to, be, to reduce injury as much as possible, to be as effective uh, in play. Um, so number one, and this is a phrase that's just becoming super overused as well, but we all know the best athletic ability is availability. And so preaching to them that, you know, there's a correct way to do things and we're going to focus on technique in here before we ever progress in weight. And we're also going to move you through this process as you're ready, not as your teammate is ready. Um, so with that, um, we talk a lot about being consistent. So, and this is something that kind of goes into, you know, explaining to coaches like why we need to be in there consistently two times a week year round. Um, even if we've got to heavily modify something based on, you know, what's going on in club, cause we deal with a lot of club sports, kids, mm. making sure that we're consistently training to see those small improvements over time. Um, generally speaking, we're working with a very low training age of athlete. So they're going to benefit from nearly, they're going to adapt to anything. We all adapt to anything, but they're going to benefit from a very simple training program. So things that are important to me are just very basic movement patterns, squat, hinge, push, pull, and brace. Um, and so that's where we're going to put, you know, that's the bucket that we're going to fill the most in the weight room um, mm -hmm. are those basic foundational movements, because that's something that a, they're not getting in those tens and twenties and hundreds of hours of practice that they're, you know, in their sport a week. Um, but two, those are fundamental movement patterns that are going to transfer into their sport. Mm. Nice. Yeah. You can't, you can't get away from those. Uh, it's, it's like the fundamentals of any sport, like in basketball, you've got to dribble, you have to know how to shoot. You have to know how to pass like, but uh, you, you peel back that layer of movement and you have to be able to, to shuffle, right. You've got to be able to squat down to play defense. You've got to be able to, to jump. And all of those are fundamental movement patterns. So 
regardless of the sport. Yeah. Like you don't need to be loading uh, a kid under a bar if they can't do a ineffective body weight squat. Right. So I think that's, yeah, that's super important to, to focus on those fundamentals. So, yeah, the other kind of thing that we, um, that I end up preaching a lot in our weight room is communication. Mm. Um, because, you know, like I mentioned with the club stuff, we have so many kids that come in and they're just beat up and turns out they had a quote unquote strength and conditioning session, which is almost always terrible with, you know, affiliated with their club practice, or they mm-hmm. played eight games in a tournament that weekend. And so their shoulders sore or their knees sore, or whatever it is. So making sure to communicate that to us, um, because I'm always going to try to modify around those things, but I can't meet you where you're at in your training process if I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we try to keep the, the dialogue open in that regard um, and then make kids understand, you know, and that again goes back to the relationship piece of kids understanding that you have their best interest at heart and, and you know, that their athletic success is at the forefront of your priorities in the weight room. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So do you have a basic template that every single sport follows or are there, are you training each sport and each position differently? Like how, how does the basic programming setup look or, or uh, is it all the same between the sports? So sport to sport, it's probably 90, 10, 90% of what we're doing is the same 10%. We're going to nuance based on the sport. Um, I actually find more of the differences to lie in the, in the training age of the group um, than necessarily needing to modify um, specific moves for sports specificity. We all hate that term. Um, so for example, you know, some of my teams train year round and they train two to three times a week. And so they're at a much higher level. And they also come from our middle school programs where they have two years of training background there. So they're coming in at a higher training age than, you know, maybe a, so for example, our tennis athletes, our tennis athletes don't have anything um, strength and conditioning wise at the middle schools. So we have to um, slow play their training program just a little bit and start more basic with a incoming freshman than we would, you know, with a, with a freshman girls volleyball player, because she's had two consistent years of training. Um, And that's just kind of how the model's set up. Um, Mm -hmm. Beyond that, obviously, I'm always going to try to find, you know, within that 10% of flexibility, I'm going to try to find things for the athlete um, that address sport needs as far as injury reduction are concerned. So again, using volleyball as an example, because that's what I play. That's what I did play. I coached it. Um, you know, we're going to have to pay a lot of attention to scapular positioning and stability. And so, you know, adding those into our program and then also educating our athletes of why that's important for them as a volleyball player. So again, it's not just here, lay on this bench and do a why it's, Hey, this is how your scapula functions and overhead movement. And this is why you need to do this. And here's how this needs to feel. Um, so we try, and, and I feel like our kids appreciate that you know, like our baseball kids, we talk a lot about hip rotation um, and so, and how that carries over into, into their sport. And I think that kids really appreciate that. Like, sure, they're all squatting, but, you know, sometimes adding some of those smaller movements in there um, that they understand, you know, and we, um, us teaching them how that correlates to the sport, um, I think is how we, you know, differentiate those programs. Nice. Um, 
So we talked a little bit earlier about the importance of nutrition and uh, I, I know of some strength coaches who are like, Hey, that's, that's not in my wheelhouse. I am a strength coach. I just want to focus on stuff in the weight room. Um, uh, my philosophy is like training and nutrition go hand in hand because one is the mechanical signal and the other is the nutrient that drives the adaptation. Like without the calories, you can't pay for the adaptation without uh, protein. There's no amino acids to stimulate the the synthesis of new muscle protein without fat. There's no substrate for your hormones without the carb, without the carbohydrate, there's no high intensity fuel. So like I consider it one in the same, like I've got to educate my athletes on not only how to move, but then also how to repair and to adapt. And I think that's all nutrient driven. So what's your, uh, what's your philosophy when it comes to teaching nutrition to your athletes? Um, so I really kind of see both sides of this because I know like a lot of times you'll see registered, registered dietitians be like strength coaches don't have the background that we do. And you know, you didn't go to school for this and you need to stay in your lane. And while I certainly understand that, I actually very much agree with you on the fact that training and nutrition can't really be separated. Am I an RD? Absolutely not. Do I have the level of knowledge? No, but I can empower my kids with basic knowledge. Um, I was very fortunate uh, to work with Amy Goodson while I was at TCU. Um, She's currently running her own business, but she was working for the Ben Hogan facility um, here in the Metroplex area. And she worked with the Dallas Cowboys for a couple of years. Um, and she was kind enough to give me all of her sports nutrition 101 presentations and a lot of resources and materials. And from that, I adapted it to, um, make it more kid friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every year we do an annual like PowerPoint presentation where it's about 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I'll go through, you know, basically our three points are eat early, eat well, and eat often. And what each of those three things mean, um, at the end, we're going to build plates. So I put them in little groups with little worksheets that have plates on them, half carbs, quarter protein, quarter fruits and vegetables, and, you know, we'll go over their meals. So it's kind of a little activity. Mm -hmm. And then we're just touching base on nutrition. Um, I find the best time to do it is when they're receptive to it. So if it's going to be 105 in August, that's when I'm going to be, that's the week I'm talking heavily about hydration, not just Mm -hmm. because it's, it's relevant physically, but because they're primed to receive that information. Or if they have a big game coming up, I'm talking to them about, listen, like your pregame meal is important, but what's way more important is what you're doing the day before to fuel your body. So making sure that again, back to our consistency point, we're fueling our body consistently, not just trying to make it one healthy meal before we go into Um, before we go into a competition. Um, And then just, you know, if we have kids that we know they need to gain weight, um, like for example, I was, or, or we know they're just being um, not overworked, but they're one of our kids that plays, you know, tons of minutes in a game. Like I just had a conversation with one of our um, three guards in basketball yesterday. He's like, I'm cramping out and, you know, come to find out he's going to the rec center in the morning because he's a remote learner. Then he comes to practice in the afternoon. So he's almost doubled his training load. Mm. Um, and I was like, you know, what are you, what are you taking in as far as food? Well, he's hardly eating breakfast. He's not snacking throughout the day. And I'm like, well, there's your problem. Mm -hmm. You're cramping because you're fatigued. And part of that is you're not fueling your body for the training that you're doing, nor are you allowing your body to recover. Mm. Um, so to summarize, 
And, and the other thing is I don't have a nutritionist in my school district. So the whole stay in my own lane, my lane is huge. So it is well within my scope of practice to be um, talking to these kids about it because there's really no one else to do it. And I don't have a budget to bring in an outside speaker um, to have those discussions with our kids. Yeah, I mean, especially with your background in, uh, what was it, biochemistry? Biology. Biology, so sorry, biology. But um, like if you had any classes with Dr. Willoughby at Baylor, then you know quite a bit about biochem, especially nutritional biochem. Like that was one of the things I had absolutely no idea that I was going to be learning in the master's program there. I thought it was like basic ex-phys and all strength and conditioning stuff. And then neuromuscular exercise physiology with Dr. Willoughby, half of what we talked about was protein and amino acid metabolism and fat metabolism. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. All right. I guess I'm going to learn nutritional biochem. And then we had another class in nutritional biochem. Um, and it's one of those things it, we're not providing clinical nutrition counseling. We're not providing, you know, uh, diabetes education. We're explaining the basic fundamentals of, you know, a, a decent diet. And if you're following the fundamentals, you're going to be way better off than if you just let these kids do whatever they want to do, which is probably drink soda and eat chips and, and show up and not be fueled and then not recover and then not repair. And so, yeah, I think uh, if you're not providing some basic guidelines and some basic education in that area, uh, you're doing a huge disservice to your athletes. Like I, that's just kind of my opinion on it. So you don't have to know everything to be helpful in that, in that area. So. Totally uh, agree. Without us, they would just eat pop tarts every day for breakfast. Yeah. With us, they only eat them three days a week. <laughs> well, that's progress. Right. <laughs> um, so can you tell us a little bit more about Safe Iron and uh, like, what's the mission? How does it work? Um, so the overarching goal and long-term plan is um, we have this push um, for full-time strength and conditioning coaches at every campus. Um, and I think that that is a super idea. Um, but as I mentioned at the start of the show, my husband is the head baseball coach at a 3A high, 3A high school. Um, I believe they have seven total male coaches on campus and an equal number of female coaches. Um, so more than likely, a school district of that size is not going to allocate uh, funds to um, just a full-time strength coach. They're already understaffed as it is. Mm -hmm. um, you also have a lot of people that probably look and say, well, kids are already lifting, so why do we need someone? Um, so while I think it's a really great thing and I think that everyone should have one, I think we are a very long uh, time away from that being the reality. And I think in the meantime, if we're not doing something to educate coaches, we're doing athletes a disservice. Mm -hmm. um, so my overarching mission is to get very simplified information into the hands of coaches um, about basic lifting progression and, you know, what proper conditioning looks like and those types of things. Um, for now, what I'm doing is consulting. So I'm doing custom programming based on schools, um, equipments and needs and their timeframes. Um, because, you know, you can go out on the internet and you can find a cookie cutter program for 
high school boys basketball, but you don't have any of that equipment. You have 35 minutes and this program is gonna take you 60. You don't even know what half of it means. Um, and so now I'm meeting with clients via Zoom and Zooming around their facilities. Um, but before I was going on an on-site visit, kind of taking an inventory of what they have, I talked to them about their program and kind of their core values and, and you know, not just how we can incorporate lifting and that kind of stuff, but um, looking at the complete package of a strength and conditioning program. Um, and then once I get that information, um, I will sit down right out of training program, produce any necessary video, instructional videos for the coaches, and then send them all that. And then I'm following up with them. Um, my most recent client, since I'm not able to go in on campus, you know, I'm saying, hey, send me videos every couple of weeks. I want to see how your kids are progressing so I can make the necessary modifications for the next training program. Mm. That's so awesome. I think that's, I mean, when I was in high school, uh, I, I really only did cross country and track, but um, we had absolutely no instruction about what to do in the weight room. And our weight room was a tiny, disgusting, never cleaned, like it was basically a closet. I mean, it was just, and something, something like what you do with safe iron would have changed our entire athletic program. I'm sure just because like, we didn't know what we were doing. And like, even if the football coach knew what he was doing, he wasn't training us for cross country. He wasn't training us for, you know, for track. So it's one of those things like there's, there's, I don't think there's a school that doesn't have a weight room. Like everybody's got a weight room. Everybody's got weights. Everybody's got something, but how to maximize the equipment that you have, how to use it safely, how to, how to develop a well-rounded program. Like those are all questions that in most, and not most places in a lot of places, those questions just don't get answered. So um, when I first learned about safe iron, I was like, man, this reminds me of a conversation that I had with uh, another, another person in, in our program, Mandy Para. Um, and she and I went kind of back and forth one day. We we're like, Hey, we should start a business where we go around to schools and we show them how to like make their weight rooms more efficient and like teaching this stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. You had already done it. So beat us to it. And, and actually we're, you're doing it. So we just talked about it, but so I think that's pretty cool. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I've really enjoyed it. Um, for anyone out there who wants to reach out to you for questions or who wants to follow you on social media or who wants uh, to hire you to do a little consulting work for them, uh, what's the best way to do that? Okay, so I have done something that I've never done before on a podcast and that is I've written my Twitter handle down. <laughs> So that I can say it correctly. Nice. Because I'm always like, oh, let me grab my phone and then I can't find it. And then I just sound like an idiot. So, um, okay. But it's hard. So it's at Miss E, but not a Y and E, because I thought that was cute. Mm. Mitchell with ones instead of L's. So it's at M I S S E M I T C H E 1 1. So you might just include that in the show notes. I, um, I usually do. Okay. <laughs> And then um, email wise, safeirontraining at gmail.com. And my website is safeirontraining.com. 
Awesome. Well, I will include all of that in the show description. So if you're watching this right now, just click down on, on the more tab and boom, should all be right there. If you're listening, same thing, it's all in the show description. So coach Missy, um, this has been extremely, extremely awesome. I've, like I said, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I know everybody watching and listening has learned a lot from you and, um, I look forward to having you on again in the future. Awesome. I'm honored that you uh, asked me to come on. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And for everybody out there watching and listening, thank you so much and stay tuned for next week's episode. Adios.